0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we've um, we've got to do this. We'll get through it somehow. <laughs> Scotland France review. We've got some good positive stuff to talk about first. But joining me this evening, we've got John Anderson. Good evening, John. Good
1: good good evening, guys. I, I was a little bit caught out there. I just remembered that these these bottles are not going to open themselves. And we were just approaching the end of the credits, so the guys have just witnessed me do like a madcap <laughs> dash to the kitchen and back. So, if you just leave me out for like a minute, we'll catch my breath.
0: You, were you going to get a bottle opener or were opening the bottles? Kind no, of I was ready going to get to a go. bottle
1: opener so oh, that I'm, red, so I'm prepped. So, I've got my bottle opener, we're sorted, right? Right. And um, we've got bottles there, out of sight, out of mind. I, I so you were like
0: that's just reopening the bottles so that you didn't have to. You could I just mean, that would going. be. That would be pretty, time.
1: like, just get a straw and just, like, string them together in some sort of, like,
0: that, I mean, spectacular effort. you have to an IV. <laughs> tonight. Um, we've also got Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny. Good
2: evening. How are we doing? That's my voice, by the way, just about recovered from Saturday afternoon.
0: Yeah. Um, we've got Craig Manson, um, fresh from his uh, victorious triumph over Johnny, which we'll touch on later on. Craig. Good evening, how are we doing? Um, and we also have a very special guest this evening. We've got David from the Scrum of the Earth podcast. Good evening, David.
3: Hey, folks, how are you? Really great to be here. I hope you can hear me all right.
0: Yeah, we can hear you absolutely fine. You're you, 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 you wrote, you're, you're far better dressed than any of us, David.
3: Well, I had planned to do just some traditional Scottish kit, but after Johnny on Blood and Mud, it just, you know, the bar has been raised.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, because Cammy barely even tried on Blood and Mud. No.
0: It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, a largely, it's a largely audio format,
1: John. Dressed <laughs> <Trist> for podding.
3: <laughs> well, I told John if I, if I ended up being late, I would just spritz some water in my face and say I just came from training.
0: Yeah. It's Johnny's normal excuse, isn't it? <laughs> I suggested
1: it was only authentic if there was a protein shake as well. But, yeah, uh, and you've got to have an you've got to have an ex-player's shorts hanging on your uh, on, the, or, on or, the, or, and the and the wee sleepless number or, as well. Got
3: yeah, shoe shield yeah, yeah. in the pocket. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. shorts are we this? Week. <laughs> yeah.
3: Johnny was one of the very first guests on my pod, so I'm really still very grateful to him. That was fantastic. I feel like I did a pretty meh job of it, so thank oh, you for it. It was her. good fun. I enjoyed
0: it. a lot. <laughs> Good stuff. Look, we've got, I don't think we've got, um, there's not much news, I don't think, unless I've missed something major. John's shaking his head. Good. I think. I've got a couple of things. You've got a couple of things, Craig. There's been a couple of, there's a couple of re signings at Edinburgh.
4: Yeah, we've had Conor Boyle sign today. Um, He's re signed for, again, another whatever amount of time that uh, the, the SRU won't tell us about. Um, and also just a little uh, thing that um, uh, Edinburgh are donating a pound for every ticket sold um, to the Ukrainian um, Relief Fund, along with the, the actual team have come together and put 500 quid in as well. So uh, so they'll have 502 pounds before any of you guys say anything. <laughs> before any of you say anything. I
1: was ready as well. Your, your have get more than two, two people in there. It's fine. You've got at least seven. Now. I've got at least I've got at least ten now. Yeah. Ten, jeez. I mean, what, what does is there like some sort of thing like once you get to a certain number of followers in a cult, you have to like declare for certain tax purposes? I'm going for. Sorry, famous,
0: I John. famously churches are tax exempt, which is why why oh, <laughs> even in America they have the big mega churches. The Church of Kinghorn. <laughs> I, I thought Todd was going to ask him for some sort
3: of cult loyalty card. <laughs> Uh, collect get just, seven members It's called a a season <laughs> <laughs> well, the season ticket, Johnny. Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses call it their their Kingdom Hall, and uh, we could just call it the Kinghorn Hall. Kinghorn <laughs> Hall. There you <laughs>
0: go,
4: Craig.
2: Yeah.
4: David, I, you're welcome. Anytime you want, come along on this podcast. That could
2: really be a better name than the damn health. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were so going to go after the under 18s. I mean, I thought you'd be so desperate for a victory, Craig, given that he's a boss, what, like 20 in a row now that you were going to go for the, the Edinburgh victory in the under-18s fixture versus Glasgow.
4: I wondered where, wonder where you were going when you started talking <laughs> about me going for the under-18s. I was like, whoa, John, take it easy, boy. Uh, it's
1: take
3: not it Patreon easy, yet, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm puppet, God, we,
0: we should... We, we've not... What, that, we, okay. <laughs> <laughs> As John has mentioned, we have a, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, where you can sign up for £3 a month and you get a bonus weekly podcast. Where we let loose a little bit more, we do hands in the rock, we have a bit of a swear, a bit of a giggle, um, whereas what, in the main podcast what we tend to do is we kind of talk about the games that have been on uh, that particular weekend and catch up with any news. So if you want extra bonus weekly podcasts, then sign up to the Patreon. You, If you're watching this live, we're on YouTube, Twitter and Twitch at the moment. You can download the podcast on audio format on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Alexa, Anywhere else you can get a hold of podcasts, we'll be there in audio format as well. Um, I wanted to start with the positive news from this weekend. And Craig, I'll start with you. Scotland-Columbia, what a fantastic moment for Scottish rugby that was.
4: Really, it's um, as far as I'm concerned. We need to start putting our hands in our pockets at the SRU and start paying these women some decent money. Um, what a fantastic result! Um, absolutely okay, fair enough. I'm not going to say that uh, Colombia it was going to be a difficult game, um, but it was one of those games that almost like us going to go down to down to uh, the. Um, I was going to call it the millennium, but the principality and thinking that we're going to win against Wales, it was uh, we were just being very careful and saying, "Well, it's going to be a tough game," but it was a fantastic game against Colombia. They, they, you could watch Scotland women go through the processes, go through the the different um, uh, the different plays, and it was fabulous. And uh, what a great result! And uh, looking forward to the World Cup now.
0: Yeah, I mean, Johnny Craig said that you know it's Colombia. Obviously, we're expecting the win for Scotland, um, but it's hard. I think in women's rugby because we don't the te- the top the teams in the top twenty don't play each other as regularly as say in the men's team. So it's kind of hard to gauge on where everybody is in the world. And certainly, we saw Scotland against Japan earlier this year. They have a tendency when they're winning games to maybe drop off. So it was quite a kind of clinical finish to the game to kind of see it out in that way and be absolutely ruthless. It was,
2: yeah, and obviously when it's, it's hard enough to watch women's rugby anyway, I'm not going to profess to have ever seen or known anything about Columbia women's rugby other than I knew that they were playing for the same spot in the World Cup as we were. So although, you know, Scotland had every right to feel comfortable, Columbia got themselves just as far in World Cup qualified as Scotland had. So what Craig says is right. They were absolutely right to, you know, to say be really careful, say this is going to be a tough game, blah, 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 blah. But once once they got started, they didn't let up at all, which which was great,
0: really good to see. And jo- Judy Murray now, John, calling for women's rugby to go fully pro. So it's, the word is spreading.
1: Ex- exactly. Uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully Judy Murray has more success with getting women's rugby to, to have some element of professionalism than she has with her uh, campaigning to get tennis to be Scotland's national sport because it's uh, we've we've, def- we've definitely not managed that yet. Uh, the, the Have see
0: one what elects- to clay? Have you seen what happens to
3: clay courts in the rain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that a, uh, that, that's an entire Monty Python episode about the the the, the, the <laughs> come down and intend to win Wimbledon, so they just turn them <laughs> all into Scotsmen.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, no, it's it's good to see you know like high profile people like. To be fair, right, Judy Murray should already have been speaking up for Scottish Rugby. Um, I know that this, this is what we talked about in the pod a wee while ago, about almost qualifying for this World Cup. is It's a watershed moment for women's rugby in Scotland because it's now got that platform. It's got that almost that badge attached to it. It was the same with the football a few years ago. There's a badge attached to it. We are at a World Cup. Therefore, people like uh, Judy will speak up you'll get, you know, you've got Nicola Sturgeon tweeting it, you've got all the, all the kind of support, and it just drives that interaction. So um, it's, it's great. And I think we were in a situation where we were probably all, we, we were all quietly confident we were going to beat Colombia, but just to get that, that achievement, to get there, actually, when you think about some of the wins that came during the campaign, to actually get to that position, um, just a phenomenal achievement, and, and and they should all be incredibly proud of themselves.
0: Yeah, David, I'm I'm kind of curious. Um, women's rugby is supposed to be the fastest growing section of the sport. How how is it viewed in America? Because I, I, I'm looking at the rankings, and I'm surprised to see the USA Eagles. I think they called down in 18th.
3: Yeah, No, I'm not surprised. Um, people here don't know what rugby is, so uh, <laughs> so if you told them there was actually men's rugby and women's rugby, that would just be more of a head scratcher, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, somehow we've become very aware of sevens. People are loving the sevens, and I think uh, the women's sevens, too, have really captured people's imagination, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's the gateway rugby. I keep talking. About, I keep,
3: keep
1: <laughs> trying. It's confusing, though, because it's the least like American football, because it's faster.
3: I think that might be why too. I, I think uh people who are used to watching the NFL, when you say, Hey, watch this rugby game, they're like, I don't know what they're doing. It's too it's too close, but it's not the same. I feel like you want to be farther away from the NFL.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so we're we're pleased with that. We'll keep keeping an eye on how things are going. It's not a great group that Scotland are in, but we'll see. It's it's an, it'll be an experience. We
4: made that. I, th- I think it's. Uh, we we used to talk about it when we we used to we were in Division One with the Harlequins and we used to uh, uh, get put because we're in uh, in fourth. We would get put in with the Prem teams. Uh, for the cup, and uh, and and a lot of people would turn and go. Oh, that's going to be a difficult issue. No, that's why you want to push. You want to push to play these teams. You want to see where you are. So uh, no, for me, um, for me, uh, uh, yes, it will be a difficult group, but it's our first World Cup, and it'll give them a real uh, a real chance to show themselves against these these these, these strong teams.
1: It's what we've talked yeah. about throughout, Craig, isn't it? About you know, you only. You only learn from playing the best, and being being in that group, being exposed to that level. You know, obviously, they get that in the Six Nations with England every year, and you see the progress the players are making. That things, you know, if you're if you're playing if you're playing Colombia every week, you don't progress. Put it that way. Yeah. So you have yeah. you have to be playing the best.
3: Well, they they always say steel sharpens steel, which is why my USA. Eagles were so clever to let New Zealand blow us out by 95 points because that really blunted that instrument right away and they, <laughs> hadn't, they hadn't made good sense. Mission accomplished.
0: We've got, um, we've got a comment, actually. Um, Callum on, on um, Twitch says, American women's rugby are very good on TikTok. Uh, good to see more of the Scots on there too uh, need to get dancing, boys. I don't think we'll be Finn. Don't we be doing... Fit. Finn might be dancing. I don't think any of us will be dancing on TikTok. I'll, we,
1: I'll, we... If Finn wants to dance, I'll dance. We'll make it happen. Bye. Hands off. I'll yeah, wrap cool. your welcome Are you and Finn condensed? There's lots oh. of
0: good stuff. What I would say is there is lots of good rugby stuff happening on TikTok. And I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was. I think it was some old white rugby journalist was mourning about it. It might be my hands in the rock later. But I was like, it's a young <laughs> person's thing. You're not going to attract young people to watch rugby by having like more old white men talking about it. I say in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a I feel attacked. Are you calling me old, Cameron? You're younger than me, John. Look, we're on Twitch. Look What, what more do people want? <laughs> I'm, I'm the
1: youngest in the room. That's all I'm saying, I
0: guys. Um, Anna, Anna mm. also says, uh, the MLR seems to be doing good things with rugby in the USA. Um, If by good you mean making Dougie Fife look like a world-class player, then uh, yeah. Free sure. Dougie. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't I I, know, I said this on the Blood and Mud podcast never in all my days did I think I would see um, Adam Ash sharing a stage with Fat Man Scoop and yet the MLR delivered that
4: <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things MLR are going to deliver over the next few while I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to see what's going to come next I love MLR,
2: it's brilliant yeah. and you can watch it all for free as well
0: Mm-hmm is it is it kind of there's a lot of people over here and, I, and i'll i'll be honest that they're rugby geeks let's let's not be about the bush who are massively into mlr and some of the stashes is, is outrageous mm. especially the Alle guiltini stuff is just beautiful well,
1: funny you
2: should mention anna because she's going to la quite soon and bringing me back some Guiltini stuff
3: oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it how much is it kind of penetrating over there then david is it is are people becoming more aware of it or is it just kind of a slight curiosity at the minute
3: it feels like mostly a slight curiosity but there's definitely more curiosity and more people expressing that curiosity for sure um this season feels a lot different this feels like we graduated in some ways the squads are deeper my own free jacks we basically have we we could basically put together two 23 man groups and have them fighting it out in training and like but it's a lot more Americans too. Not so many, you know, retired people from the prem and from Australia and stuff like that. So, I think, you know, I'm optimistic. I, I think it's going to be a while. Um, I interviewed a guy, Ollie Engelhart, recently, and I asked him, you know, w- w- what is what is the answer? If I had an unlimited amount of money, could I make MLR huge? And he, he was like, No, because it's not in the schools yet. You're not playing it at middle school. You're not playing it in high school. Um, I mean, some people are, but it's incredibly rare. So they're doing this whole initiative where if you just get in touch with them, they'll send a bag of rugby balls to your school and then send a couple of coaches and players and just show up and do a training session with you if you want. Like they're really trying to get into the grassroots, which I think is probably the silver bullet.
0: Yeah. I mean, God, they only started doing that in Scotland about two years ago.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, we could we could actually still be doing with some of that. I was going
0: to say try and get try and get,
4: try and get a group from Glasgow or Edinburgh to come out into the middle. Of... <laughs> Just, if, uh, I can't even think in the if, middle of Dundee uh, to go and see. If you're John in way, a school,
3: you're in a school in Fife
2: and you phone up and say, "Oh, I'd really love to do some, some rugby in my school," you get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: we we'll take it. We we'll, we'll take schools it. Schools
2: in there. You get Matt and Gitto.
4: <laughs> you are the Fife equivalent of Matt Gittle aren't you
0: Fife Jeremy Ginty <laughs> Matt Gittle
4: elaborate elaborate <laughs> he's, he's not actually he's, he's not actually a Fife but he's trying to get Fife citizenship and citizenship. I mean, you're, the, you're thinking of Quade Cooper yeah I know, I
1: know, Qua- I know plays I know. every possession is a tad flaky and misses kicks when it's crucial that's alright yeah those are all good <laughs>
0: okay um let's we've delayed long enough we're reaching 20 minutes in and i think it's probably time to talk about scotland france um Ah, if we must Um, okay thanks you guys
3: see you later
0: (laughs) (laughs) um john i'll start with you just because because on the screen you're next to me and i'll move around i'll move around in a clockwise direction because it makes some sort of sense um my i came away from that initially my initial thought was do you know what france are amazing we weren't that bad this is just our place in the world and we're going to be competitive but when we come up against teams like france who are on top of the game and and the all blacks and even you know arguably teams like england we haven't got to open hell because we just haven't got the the depth and the funding and all of that nonsense and then i watched the game back again and i thought oh no we were rubbish so which where where have you like where have you kind of on this?
1: i've watched i watched the game twice um. All, right, so I probably almost had the opposite response first time round, where actually I didn't... So I don't believe France were that good. Right. France are a great team, best team in the world. I don't think they needed to be that good against Scotland, hmm. because we made it easy for them. We made so many mistakes, so many errors. Our, tactically, we looked... For me, it was... I don't want to say it was like so. So the Wales game was such a backwards step, right? And what we really needed this week was a reaction, a reaction to that at home to say, "Look, that was an anomaly. We got that wrong. Let's put it behind us. Let's move on." France were clinical. They took their opportunities when necessary. Their breakdown work was, they they they, interpreted the referee better. Let's put it that way. Um, Scotland were, for the most part, pretty, pretty stupid in their decision making and made it easy for France. So I, I said uh, on another podcast, well, actually, me and Craig were on the the other night, um, that I don't think France were as good as people are making out, and I don't think Scotland were nearly as like plucky underdogs as people are making out either. I think Scotland were actually pretty, pretty rubbish. And made a lot of mistakes.
0: It was weird, Johnny. I was watching Squidges kind of review today and I hadn't clicked at the time, but he was right. Scotland kicked 3% of ball at the weekend, which is just, it's like the game plan was thrown out the window. And I can't decide whether that was an on, like a decision made on the pitch by the players or whether they were, they'd suddenly decided they'd, they'd scored that one try through phases with Darcy Graham and decided that was going to happen every week now.
2: Yeah, I don't know, it's it's a really weird one. Um I can't I can't get my head around what they think they're doing. I just to be honest, I cannot shake this feeling that there's complacency coming in. And as much as like a lot of people within Scottish rugby fans and media wise over the last couple of weeks have have tried really hard not to be too hype, that there are players in the Scotland camp that are believing the hype. Anyway, even though it doesn't really exist, if that makes sense. Yep. I th- and I think like this is why my, my my thing is, for for the very minimum, Adam Hastings should be in camp by now. I think people who can challenge in positions where these, let, let's be honest, outside of Chris Harris, the Lions in the back line, I think are, are still great players. Don't get me wrong, I have to caveat this by saying not only are they some of our best players right now, they might be some of our best players ever. But they just seem to be off the boil and a bit complacent and they've had that great win against England and they've been building and building and getting better and better. They've all been away on a Lions tour and now they're like, oh, that's fine. We've completed rugby. (laughs) And there there is Blair Kinghorn in camp and I don't have a problem with the Blair Kinghorn experiment. I'm all for it. But it is an experiment and he is the only option. So there's no Adam Hastings, there's no Ross Thompson, there's no other options at fullback. back there's very few other options on the wing. So the guys in there are just like, oh, it's fine, we do what we want, there's nobody here to replace us. And I think that needs to be shaken up a little bit. Just to sort of... People need to be made a bit uncomfortable, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's... Craig, what's your take on that? I mean, certainly I think the We said after the Wales game, actually, that it was... You know, it's hogging... Hogg and Russell, to me, either seem to be complacent or have a sense that they are so important to the team that they have to do everything themselves.
4: Yeah, and that, uh, you know, yeah, we've been banging this, strong for the last couple of weeks, Cammy. Um, my my take on it, uh, where I felt we were positive um, on the weekend was actually a few are. Everyone was telling us that the, that the French forwards are going to come and absolutely smash everyone to pieces, and I didn't. I didn't think we actually had that problem. I think our forwards, apart from um, realizing that the French are holding Cameron Wokie up for a little while longer than normal, yeah, okay, they've done it once. No, no, they're going to do it twice. Okay, this is the third time. Right, okay, this is the fourth time. Maybe we could learn something here. Um, I think that was that did my head in. But on for for most of the time. We were doing we were doing quite well in the forwards, and if you have a look at it, I have got a point here. I'm bringing it back around to what Johnny's just said. If you look at um, the most competition we have at this moment in time for places, is in the forwards, yeah. because we have people within the forward group um, and within the within the the squad who can just drop in and out, and we will get a very very similar level of play.
0: Yeah. yeah. David, how was it, kind of for you, watching this kind of slightly dispassionately? I guess. Um, what, what was your take on Scotland's performance?
3: Yeah, I, I was not feeling dispassionate about it. It was uh, it was one of the hardest matches I've ever watched. I think. Um, Just so early did it feel like there's just no shot, and then you just sit there and wait and wait and watch the score increase and increase. And the comms were falling over themselves in their rush to just pour dirt on Scotland. It was like, I have have something else negative to say about them. No, my turn! Made it so much worse, Uh, we got smacked by a, a blizzard again on the Friday night before, so I used my technique of, okay, at halftime, I'm going to go out and just take out my anger on the snow in my driveway. And then I came back in, and it, it was even worse. So that completely backfired. The uh, the quote I wrote down at the time was, uh, I don't know how I stumbled across it, but a, a Yates quote, that, you know, now that my ladder has gone, I must lie down where all the ladders start in the foul rag and bone shop of the heart. And that was pretty much how I felt at the end of that, so... <laughs> It's
1: is it? the classiest thing that's ever been said in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right there in a nutshell. 190 odd episodes in someone has finally made a quote.
3: <laughs> well that that 14 point swing, you know, it looked like we were going to get a try late in the first half. There's the you know, Duham's getting involved, Chris Harris is doing Chris Harris things, then there's that pass that just goes off digits from uh, from from Hoggy. I still don't know. You know, was that an errant pass? Was that bad by Stewie? Was it a combination? What happened there?
1: Yeah, rum- rumors, of course. That well, Chris Harris obviously failed his HIA at, at halftime, and there's, you know, um, I he mean,
3: was pa- I- he was passing it to the wrong of the, of the two oh, stewards. Uh, he was saying,
1: "Yeah, well, I mean, like, we laugh, but I mean, it wasn't that bad a pass.
0: Actually. It was a good pass. It was yeah. just one of the ones where." The, the the option hog had so much field in front of them that actually i know you know it's the heat and the pressure of the game yep. but that in itself is is an issue i think particularly with with, with hog at the minute and his decision making i think as well to, to an extent with with russell is for whatever reason they're both struggling to make decisions under pressure because mm. one option there for hog is to he had so much park in front of him and other players with him was to let it drop and bounce and pick it up on the bounce. If he was stre- rather than stretching for it, but th- there was an element of desperation there, John. And I think the other thing Hog was doing, particularly when uh, in the second half, and we talked about this week about the Wales game, is just like running into big piles of players, running beyond the gain line and getting isolated and sealed off. And it's th- th- you would have thought they would have re- resolved that after the Wales game, and it's a bit concerning that they haven't.
1: I mean, you would have thought they would have resolved that two years ago as well. But <laughs> hog, 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 hog has been consistently doing this for about two years, and it is—it's is really—it frust- is really frustrating. And the only reason we've gotten away with it—and I said it last time out in the pod—and I'll say it again: the only reason we get away with hog being a glory hunter? Is it glory hunting? Is it I can do it all myself? I don't know. The only reason we get away with it sometimes is Jamie Ritchie. Jamie Ritchie is the absolute linchpin of the Scotland team. He is what counters the Stuart Hogness, which is I'm going to put it under my jumper and run and I'm going to skin everybody and when you get engulfed, because you just can't do that at in international rugby, when you get smashed by French forwards and no disrespect to, obviously, obviously no disrespect to the back row, like, but they're no Jamie Ritchie. One of them might be, might be even better than Jamie Ritchie, let's see, but <laughs> Jamie Ritchie, <laughs> Jamie Ritchie's irreplaceable at the moment, right? Yeah. His, his skill set is irreplaceable. Russell, on the other hand, I think there's two different stories here. Hog trying too hard, Russell doesn't look happy again. It doesn't it doesn't look himself and I would be it'll be interesting to see what, what comes of that because he just does not look himself, he doesn't look happy with what they're doing, and I would hazard yet again that if we had Sam Johnson outside him, we would have played a lot better.
0: Okay. Johnny, on that, are Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg droppable? has Gregor Townsend got it in him? To drop one or both of them, well, even if it's for the is, Italy game.
1: This
2: is the thing that confuses me. Two years ago, he dropped Finn for an entire tournament for having one too many beers, <laughs> and now he's now he seems to have completely bottled that as an option entirely. I don't understand. Like, I would love to know what Adam Hastings has done because it must be something <laughs> horrendous. Well, to t- t- to t- me, t-
3: John and I were speculating it's the haircut he got when he went to Gloucester, it's just no longer <laughs> acceptable.
2: <laughs> you know to me and to me i don't i don't even necessarily think that they have to be dropped for a game but what i think what i think really really needs to happen again is that the spectre of them being dropped has to be there because if you look at the squad at the moment it's it's not possible to drop them so you you need to at least make them think that they might get dropped because at the moment they and they're right. I mean, they're, they're two of Scotland's best ever players. They they think that we need them. And uh, no matter what happens, we'll always need them. And that's the way it is. So they, they need to at least have the idea put to them that actually we maybe would do it without them for a game or two until they get their heads together and think, right, okay, well, we need to actually knuckle down here.
1: Well, the pair of them obviously can't get dropped because the only guy that can replace the both of them is Blair Kinghorn. <laughs> And even he and you know, I mean, Richie Vernon could play two positions at once, but Blair certainly can't.
0: We'll I'm going we'll to come on at Blair. I'm going to come on at Blair Kinghorn later, Craig. Don't worry. Craig's just sat there stoically and silently. I'm not sure I, that, what, that, he's that wasn't a criticism. Free, that was curious. not a of
1: criticism. A, of course, it's a criticism. I John. was simply saying, no, that was just you that, just said you just that said that Richie Vernon saying, could do could they both could play more than one position. Blair Kinghorn King is either King a ten Horn or a fifteen. I'm saying came, he can't play them both at the same time. He, he, he came can't physically be it. on the park and play them same at the same time. That is, yeah, wasn't okay. a criticism.
4: He, he came onto the park, um, you know, at 55, 60 minutes, and actually got us a try more than what Hog, more than what um, what uh Finn did on the day. And what I would probably say is that, and I'll, I'll, I'm I'm parking Blair Kinghorn because. I can feel the air growing out of here like that, wanting to kill everybody. Um, I think, as far as I'm concerned, if I was if I was looking at next next uh, next week, I'd start Blair Kinghorn at fifteen, drop Hog, and then you've got the ability to move Blair into into ten if Finn continues his rubbish, and and bring uh, bring Hog on for the last twenty minutes. And uh, I think um, you know you can still captain from there. You can still be the club captain from the from the bench. And it just gives them a wee wake up call because as far as I'm concerned, I think um Ali Price, I think um Finn Russell, and I think uh, Stuart Hogg need to, just as everyone has said, need to have a wee a wee look at themselves. Um and 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 think what are you know, because they're the linchpins, they're the people that everyone's looking to, they're the people that are saying what are we you know, the forwards are rumbling and rumbling and rumbling, but you know, they're the playmakers, they're the ones that are supposed to, you know, be taking us to this next World Cup, you know.
0: It's interesting, David. Interesting on your takes, we've talked uh, not endlessly about Stuart Hogg at captain, and we swung both ways from fullback shouldn't be captain, and Johnny, you've had your time on that. I'm not coming back to you on that. <laughs> so all the way up to, to do you know what? He's not a bad captain, and actually, this kind of makes sense. And, and it felt like at the weekend that Scotland had almost kind of um, encapsulated the way that Stuart Hogg plays. In a way that that was like almost like a Stuart a Stuart Hog performance across fifteen players. <laughs> so so is it? You know, it, I'm just I put out to you. Do you think Stuart Hogg's the man to captain Scotland, or do they need to look elsewhere?
3: I still think he's he, well. You know, I, I talked to John about this too a little bit. Like, and you you guys have talked about it a lot. Obviously, should the fifteen ever be the captain? The just the amount of field he's got to cover. I understand it's difficult. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job of that this weekend, I guess. But, you know, the thing you said about him trying to do too much, I think like what you said about him not fielding that pass or maybe giving it a chance to just bounce and go to somebody else, all those things are indicative of somebody who is trying to do too much. And I wonder if Johnny's idea of sort of the threat of dropping might do something to light a fire. Like, the so Exeter dropped him right when the season was getting right to the end. they They dropped him and were unceremonious about it, and it worked. So, you know, is that better for him? He seemed like he came back with a fire after that, maybe. But you, it's like you can't do it against Italy, because then it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, You know, we're not too worried anyways. So it would have to be, I don't know, Ireland or something. But, you know, then I would just be... Crapping myself leading up to it even more. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, David, you're forgetting the uh, the the elephant in the room, and that is the Scottish rugby fans. Um, you know, if we drop if we drop Hoggie or we drop Finn um, for Italy and we get beat, then it's all you know, it's all Tooney's fault, and Hoggy should have been there and Finn should have been there. So I guess, uh, I guess it's one of those situations where you, you've you've got more of a chance, I suppose, with Italy. That we can, um, that we can, we can play without one of them and, and see what is, what's going to happen. Um, but uh, I, I'm very concerned about the uh, the Italy game. That's for sure.
3: I, I'm, more but, con- I'm more concerned about. Fin- I think Finn should definitely not be dropped. I don't see a better option than him, and I think he's playing really well, but not sensationally. So I think that's probably our best option. But yes, yeah, Stuart is a really he's a conundrum right now.
0: Yeah. My, my, my big worry for Italy
1: just Cam, just Craig criticized Scotland rugby fans before I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you've got I know you've got that as your hands in the ruck again, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: just, I'm just saying Craig done it first. Well if I if I, don't I remember keep a
0: score, correctly, yeah, you know. I was sort of a notebook, a ledger down here kind of writing it all down who's Who's, well, who's got in first That's have, your I've, fault.
4: I've,
0: I've got a black book, don't worry about it. I've got
4: you no uh, as well. I heard you, you criticising Scottish rugby fans on Scrum of the Earth as well, John. So it just follows you around the world, mate. It does. <laughs> well
0: Everyone's got to have a thing. <laughs> of, I wonder what people think. I sit here kind of trying to count up the Ember and the Glasgow digs and making sure we get balance. Do you
1: not? No, better I better you, see my time. <laughs>
0: I, my, my, my big worry about the Italy game for me is that I don't think it's an opportunity to solve a lot of problems, but I don't think they'll take it. I think what I wonder is, is that we've got this new attack coach that's coming and I I wonder how much of this game planning is down to him thinking that we're a team that can go through phases and run phases and somehow possession, John, and and actually, we may well do that against Italy and come away with a a reasonable, decent win, and then go and get absolutely pumped by Ireland because we haven't solved anything.
1: Yeah, it, it, it does, it does seem like we're in a situation again. I I think almost like the change in the coaches has been an interesting one, and obviously the positive impact Steve Tandy almost instantly had on that defense spoke to, spoke to defense, well, I mean, no disrespect, but, well, absolute disrespect. The, The defense was in disarray when he came in, so anything was progress. And he actually made an amazing job of really organizing that defense. And obviously this weekend's the first time we've really, really taken a bit of a scudding off someone. You then look at the attack. He's almost coming into position where we were, we were, we were good anyway, and it's almost, it's almost like we've kind of regressed. We're we're doing we're doing a lot more through the kind of thirteen channel, and we're kind of trying to rely on Chris Harris as an attacking threat when he 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 isn't he isn't that player. He's got attacking threat, that's fine, but he's not that threat, and he's he's not that playmaker at thirteen, and he's not the guy to make that crucial decision. So it does seem like we've maybe got our tactics a wee bit off, and but I would probably counter that by saying you can have the best tactics in the world, but when you've got individually experienced playmakers like Russell, like Hogg, kicking ball out in full, making individual errors, then you're always going to struggle. And we, we we really haven't helped ourselves. So I think the coaching team... They all look at their role in it, but for me, it's individual errors throughout.
0: Well, I mean, Johnny, you were there, and and it's it's always interesting like, when you when you're at a game because you kind of see, you get a much wider perspective of how everybody's lining up and the patterns that they're trying to run. What was there a sense, kind of watching at the stadium, that there was a shape to Scotland's attack?
2: Yeah, I, I mean. I could see what they were trying to do. But and I do you know it might have just been one of those days where, you know, another day that that pass from Harris comes off to Hoggy and Hoggy scores, and then that changes the face of the entire game. It's and it is little things like that. But you did get the impression again, and I hate and I don't want to be like bodying him the whole time because once again he is a phenomenal player and he's one of our most important players. But when Hoggy's trying to push it like that things just things just seem to not happen like you can have the best attack plan in the world but if hoggy's trying to force it through but it's not quite on it start it starts to come apart and it comes apart pretty quick because there's something about them where if if something's not coming off then what happens is rather like because you know like because everyone gets right into finn because if something doesn't come off for finn, he kind of like sh- smiles and shrugs and gets on with it but if it doesn't come off for hoggy he tries it a little bit harder the next time and then a little bit harder the next time, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, and it piles on and piles on. So I think he needs to just relax a little bit. He
1: needs to be more Finn. And, exactly. But according to Scotland fans, Finn has to be more hog. so we then get stuck in the perpetual loop of, I mean, ho- h- Hoggle, uh, where, <laughs> where we end up just, like, everybody, you know, self-doubt is is perpetuating everywhere.
0: There was a really interesting... um, It was Fraser Brown, I think, was on the Scottish, BBC Scottish Rugby podcast um, saying that Finn Russell had told him that he played in a a wrestling 92 game and he came off the park and he was absolutely exhausted. And his followers were saying, you know, you'd hardly run. It was all through us today. It was against Saracens, actually. It was one of the games he played against Saracens. and And he said he was just mentally exhausted because he was constantly trying to... Work out where the space was and, and trying and to analyze the match on on the floor. And I wonder, Craig, whether there's a, a bit of that going on with Finn at the minute that he's, for all the shrugs and the smiles and, you know, the kind of, you know, the happy go lucky facade we're getting, is it that he's tiring himself out? But maybe, maybe underneath it, or he's overthinking things.
4: Well, I, I think he's over, I think you're right about the overthinking, but I think the overthinking um, is because he's emptied his box of tricks. And I think the I think the defences nowadays that he's going up against know what's coming out of him. You know, they know that there's going to be a kick through. There's no, so there's going to be a kick over, chip over. They know that there's going to be a cross field kick, and so they're shutting them down a little bit quicker. And I, it's definitely what happened with France. And it was, and on my side of things, I definitely think it was it was what was happening with Wales. Um, and they were expecting what he's what he's going to do. And and OK, we all have a laugh and we'll talk about Finn doesn't even know what Finn's going to do next. But I actually think that the that, that, that defences are getting wise to him now. Um, they've seen enough of Finn Russell um, to, to understand what's going on and I think they're shutting him down. So he's now having to force a kick um, or force, force to play a little bit and he's hitting bodies, he's hitting feet instead of it's, it's not coming off. Um, so maybe there's... Maybe... There is a time for us to, you know, because that's, we get into this whole argument about, you know, we must bring Hastings up. Hastings must come in and and have a go. But with Hastings, and we've talked about this many times, or I have anyway, um, Hastings is just replicating Finn Russell. You know, to a poorer extent, to be perfectly honest. So what do we do? You know, and that's the question. And I think um, what we what we do have missing at at twelve is we we have that second playmaker missing at the moment. Um, and we get to who was good, but he wasn't. I did. I don't. I don't think he was the the, the He's not the, the He's not the Kryptonite of France. You know, he wasn't he's, someone. that's...
1: He's not the answer at twelve. He really I isn't think, the answer at twelve. I don't think 12. so. For the way for the way Scotland play, look at again. Just look through. The annals of Scottish rugby. When has Finn Russell played his best rugby for Scotland with a second distributor at twelve? Basically, with Pete Pete Horn at 12. Yeah, yeah. with Pete Horn at 12. That's when he's played his best rugby with with Scotland. He plays well with Sam Johnson. They they link up well together. Sam Johnson has an underrated distribution game. He's he's saw as this. Bulldozing twelve, who who's very good in defence, but he has a great passing game, a great range of passing, and also p- picks wonderful lines. I I would probably take your point around Hastings, Craig. I I, I agree. There's to an extent, certain, certain extent. We've we've talked about the whole replication thing. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think Finn could use a week off because I think he's played mm-hmm. so much rugby. Yeah. Um, he obviously came back from the Lions tour. Was it injured on the Lions Tour? We don't know to what extent that injury has cleared up. We don't know if we're literally counting down to the summer to have a wee bit of surgery on that uh, Achilles injury. There's all sorts of things at play that we don't know about as as not pundits, as, as supporters who are speculating. He just doesn't look a man who's comfortable in his own skin at the moment. And if we compare... Finn Russell at the weekend to Finn Russell and the Lions who are coming on after ten minutes and winking at people and smiling and laughing, they're very different people. And it just doesn't it doesn't sit right for me. So yeah. I, I, I I I think I personally I would speculate he's getting an injury and it's getting managed. That would that would be my guess.
0: David, I mean, I'm interested in your take on something Craig said, and it's about Um, you know, defences and teams starting to prepare for Finn Russell. And I guess it's a problem for Scotland as a whole now is that in the past teams maybe haven't prepared for Scotland. It's been here, Scotland, they might surprise us, but chances are they won't and we'll probably win. So we'll just go with our own game plan. But I think definitely the weekend, you could see that France had analysed every man one to 15. They've not one to (laughs) 21 right through 23 on the bench as well. And, and knew what was coming in and nullified the threat all the way through. Even you know, even the likes of Chris Harris, they knew what was coming with him.
3: Well, I think at the international level especially, there's a lot more complexity on just game plans, both on offense and defense. Um, I think France are very serious about that right now. Uh, I think they wanted to send a message, and I think they did. Um, I found a, a silly stat too, which was uh, – so Fabian Galtier has only been there since 2020, or, or he was uh, he was anointed the successor in 2020, but he didn't coach a game against us until 2021. Lost that, beat us, but that was in an autumn international, and then lost again to us last year. Sorry for the noise in the background, the work being done. But um, so until Saturday, France had never beaten Scotland in the Fabian Galtier era. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I th- that, that reminds me of like the typical NFL stats, where it's like, well, the Cleveland Browns have never beaten the Green Bay Packers in January away. <laughs> it's like, well, they've done that three times. So
2: very few people beat the Packers in January, just for the record. <laughs> that is true. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Only Aaron Rodgers has that power. <laughs> I
1: think that's why why we did go into the game at the weekend with such a uh, confidence as well, because we have we have had a good record against France and our game the way it has even, even looking at that Wales game which actually for me has now there's been a light shone on how bad we were that that Welsh team that Welsh team are desperate and we absolutely and utterly made a plot of it um and we still only lost by three and that kind of papered over a lot of the cracks France, that that defeat to France has been coming for Scotland. That that kind of the way we've been playing over the since the autumn, that kind of slapping about that we got off them has been coming. So really, we said last week uh, the Wales game. That's the wake up call. That's it's time to time to really show a reaction. This this is now like that. This for me is the absolute like we can't not react to this now. Um, but yeah but no uh,
4: the thing is though and 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 what we are we, we are um talking uh, talking around around a little bit here is the fact that um France came full noise and uh, yes. and we we you know uh, from where we were sitting apart from arguing with the guys that were getting up to go for a pee on a regular basis <laughs> um we could uh, we could you know you could see the patterns that France are playing and the the um we talked about last night uh john um, yeah did uh, the, the 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 ruck protection was phenomenal the ball present pre- presentation was phenomenal and the and this the ruck speed with Antoine Dupont was absolutely phenomenal and when you've when you've and especially in the second half when you've not got chris harris there um our defense just looked at c um and so you know some of the some of the t- okay fair enough that that um Pinot try where he just you know plucked the ball out of the air and landed just amazing stuff but it was full noise and so you know don't get me wrong, I think we could we we are just as good as uh, or or we could have we could have beaten france if we'd if we'd got on in this in the first half if if everything had come off in the first half and' put some pressure on them but they were absolutely phenomenal on the weekend.
1: Does it mean make... for me? I
4: think,
2: sorry, John. I, oh, no, I think already... it's really gone to sort of to three tiers now for the rest of this year's tournament because there's France and Ireland, yeah. and there's a gap, and it's not a small gap. And mm. then there's us, Wales and England, and then another possibly even bigger gap before Italy <laughs> yeah. underneath. And that, like that, really showed itself. I think that it was starting to bubble at uh, the second round of games it really showed itself this weekend. Like, the, those two, France and Ireland, are, are a good deal ahead of everybody else.
1: It just yeah. kind of jumped, jumped out to me that, like, we've talked about beating France, and, and and David's point is absolutely valid. You know, we've had such a good record against France, but look at the progress France have made versus where we are, right? Okay, yeah, you're talking about back-to-back World Cup winning under-20s teams, teams, coming through the French system, but we we genuinely believe we were the equal of that side and could could win. And a lot of Scottish fans said that at home. And you're now looking at a side. So like does this I think your point right at the start, Cammy, is does this put us in our place where you're looking at a French side that could go and win a World Cup versus a Scottish team that may not get out of the group stage?
0: But, but, but and this is this is on the rewatch because yes, that's how I felt after the game hundred percent felt okay that that there's where we are we're top eight right and we can be anywhere between fifth and eighth and that's we found our level yeah and sometimes we'll give we'll give one to one to four a bit of a scare and maybe turn them over. On re-watching it that there's something not right with this Scotland team and there were so many points that Scotland left out in the park and opportunities left out in the park and you can't I think it's really hard, but especially with rugby, a game that it's different. I think with football, you can maybe say, "Well, the other team still would have scored the goals, and they probably would do." With football, Rugby's is different because it's a, mem- a momentum game. And you look at the times when Scotland missed the chance, and those there's an opportunity there for a massive momentum swing. I mean, we go in, you know, half time, you know, with, with the with the other try, you know, that, that was. And, and and it's different, but part, France run up the other end and they scored just for halftime.
1: David called it it's the fourteen point swing. It's that, that exactly,
0: point. exactly. So that goes the other way, and we go in at halftime in a much better position. Chance, chance to regroup, chance to look at things. It, it's there were a lot of errors from Scotland at the weekend, and part of that's yeah. the pressure from. We got the credit France, France put Scotland under a lot of pressure, but I think Craig's point, uh, which is interesting and uh, I kind of. What what everyone was worried about, and I include myself and that, was that we the Scottish pack would be bullied off the park, and they were they just weren't. I mean, you <laughs> look at the phenomenal debut. Mm. We haven't seen. I mean, you know, Hamish Watson can only dream of a debut like that. He was jello carded, and his debut because he played against Wales. But you know, his first start, but that's an absolute phenomenal start. And I, I think it poses the question a lot of questions about tactics and I'm not sure that Gregor Townsend knows what the Scotland team should be doing and therefore I don't think the team knows what it should be doing.
3: Well can I ask you guys so we had the top try scorer in last year's Six Nations and this year two hands invisible like he got the what I would call a garbage time try against France this weekend that's the only one he's gotten like is there something wrong is that what is That part of the Gregor Townsend thing is that part of the Stuart and Finn trying to do too much thing? Is it just a weak game plan to begin with? Like, where is he? He should be killing people, like, you know, that's his job.
2: I think I'm worried that you. that try saved him, you know. Yeah, like we'd, we'd be talking exactly the same about him as we are about Finn and Hoggy and to a lesser extent, Ali Price, but somehow people are like, oh, yeah, but he scored that try, but no, he's he's had. Two and a half, if not three, by his standards, not very good
1: games this time.
3: But he, he can't get the ball into his own hands. So, yeah. you know, is it that he's playing badly or he's just not getting the chances?
1: It's not coming through 12. It's, the ball is not coming through 12. If you're playing 2 peloto at 12, the ball is not going to go wide. And it was evident this weekend. Every time he gets the ball, he will straighten up and he'll make yards. But we're not a crash ball 12 team. And Duhan then has to, he's used to having that distributor where you can almost have Harris. Harris is kind of the skip man at 13, where he'll, he'll run the dummy line, you get Duhan on the ball. I, I would counter the point, actually. I think Duhan had a couple of very, very good breaks, but it was broken play. When Scotland are in structure just now, Duhan doesn't get the ball. And it is a flaw of the players around him. I, I don't lay the blame at him. I think you give him the ball, you see what he does. He he breaks tackles, he goes meters, but in structure we're not we're just not using him.
0: I think the other thing as well for Duhan this season is that everyone knows who he is. It's the same thing with Scotland as a whole. Now everyone knows what's coming with Duhan, yeah, and teams know what his weaknesses are, and they'll stick two men on him. Whereas in the chance to be one on one, he'd win. You know, he's going to win a one on one every day. But now they're sticking mm. two men on him, and he's spilling the ball. And I think that's because they're <clears throat> targeting a weakness, Craig. And I think it's as Alan McDonald says in the comments: this is with a difficult second album for Duhan <laughs> after an alliance hangover.
4: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think I think and and with, we, we, you know, and, and this is no disrespect to Duhan because I, I, I I've I've been very very vocal supporter of him, but he is. A fairly one-dimensional player. He's he's got a lot of speed and he's a big guy. Um, and he's got good all, looks too. Oh yeah, he <laughs> does. He it looks like um, I, I've forgotten the uh, the, the, jo- the Johnny Bravo. Character, Johnny, Johnny Bravo. Bravo yeah. Yep. Um, uh, so I think he's uh, you know the Premiership haven't managed to get round him yet because he's, he's 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 tearing it up at Worcester. Yeah. But I think at this point in time, I think the international squads have realised that. You know, they know where to where to attack him. Where he holds the ball, so they, they they go for the rips now as well. He's spilling the ball a little bit more, but they're also putting two guys on a minimum every time. Um, and uh, but that's down to the new the new attack coach. You know, you've got big Duhan. You're going to, you yeah. know, you want to get the ball out to him, freak them out a little bit, and then pass it inside or bring bring a George Horn line, you know, straight through and and take the ball quickly off him. But we're not doing that sort of thing at the moment.
1: I think it'd be really yeah, and, interesting uh, just to look at uh, like Duhan's meters per carry, actually. Like, see if we just have yeah. a comparison last season yeah. versus this season. I think yeah. you could, you. I, I, I genuinely, like, I couldn't even tell you what that would look like because I don't, I just don't think he's carrying as much.
3: Right. This, this is a new
2: thing for Scotland, right? But we've talked about how teams are putting at least two men on Duhan. People are always, have always got at least one. You know, you've got your man who's got him in the line and at least another man tracking what Stuart Hogg's doing. Yep. In the forwards, there's always a couple of people looking to take Hamish Watson out of the game. Now, this isn't something that's happened to us before, but it's it, it is happening now where there are playmakers who are targeted with two or three bodies. And what that means is there's other players, other places on the park who have, who have got an overlap because they've got the same amount of players as us. So if there's two players on Hoggy, there's two players on Doohan, there's at least two players trying to take...
3: Well, can I ask you guys that? So so if they figured it out and the answer was put at least two people on Duhan, do you have confidence that this coaching team will be able to say, okay, now it's our turn to adjust? Like find that, like you say, they've got the same number of people. Do you have confidence that Gregor Townsend and the new attack coach are going to be able to figure that out and counter?
2: I hope so. I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, like like I say, and saying it's not really happened to us before. So they need some time to sort of work out how the, how yep. you exploit it. But you're an international coach. You're, you're Gregor Townsend's Alliance coach. So figure I, it out.
0: I think, and here's my thing with Gregor Townsend, I think Gregor Townsend is a phenomenal coach. And I think he's incredibly intelligent. But I sometimes wonder whether or not he's too intelligent for his own good that he's got the hog thing of overthinking things and overthinking Mm. things to such an extent that Scotland then looked muddled. And we've talked about this in the past with the Tooney playbook where John Barkley's talking about, Gino. he's got 300 different, you know, options for what happens off one particular scenario. Like, you know, I choose-your-own-adventure, he writes his own own choose-your-own-adventure books, basically, as his playbooks. (laughs) (laughs) and it's you know and that's great that he wants to you know and I think he is sending teams out there with a little bit with a freedom to play now because Finn Russell's talked about that but I do wonder how much I think Townsend sometimes guilty over overthinking things and maybe worrying a bit too much about what the opposition are doing and not enough about what Scotland should be doing
1: it was telling to me quite early on in the Townsend era where I think it was the the Georgia game in down in Kilmarnock and he talked about taking Georgia on at their strengths and that to me, like Scotland had every, like, every part of the game Scotland were superior. That part of the game it's like, yeah, I, I get that you want to try and nullify a strength but that just It struck me as, as a guy who, yeah, overcomplicating what should be a very, very simple game. We've got talented players who are talented in their own way. We've talked about the Scotland way of playing, but yet we're moving away from that. And we, we seem to be trying to react to what the opposition are doing instead of playing our game. And, you know, yes, potentially losing by seven points to France or losing by three points to Wales but also potentially beating these teams, like the the display at the weekend, take take aside the whole losing Chris Harris at halftime, obviously slanted the scoreboard significantly, but it shouldn't be the case that that happens because the coaching team need to have contingencies for a guy that probably can't be replaced in defence, but you need to be able to, like, we looked like an amateur side when he went off.
3: Yeah.
0: I think it's the thing is that there's a a really good book. And we spoke to, um, it's the guy that does this is sports psychologist for Scotland. And his name escapes me for the moment. Damien Damien Hughes. Damien Hughes. There we go. Wrote the Barcelona way. And in the Barcelona way, it talks about how Barcelona developed this big, uh, you know, turned into this big, massive club and all the things they put in place. And one of the things is is Johan Cruyff, when he was in charge of Barcelona, had this whole mantra of, we don't worry about what our neighbours doing. We don't worry about Real Madrid, and I get the sense that Scotland at the minute, Johnny, on a kind of final point, I worry I seem very worried about what what the opposition are bringing, and not as worried about what they are going to do to win a game. Yeah,
2: yeah, and like where the teams are so evenly matched, like they are in the Six Nations, there there does have to be an element of you. Are, are taking on the team that you're playing and you're working out what they're good at and you're kind of playing around it. But at the same time, you have to have confidence in your own style and your own system and say, we're going to go out and play our way. Like a, a few weeks ago, before the tournament started and we were on the URC, we talked about Leinster and Leinster do not care who they're playing against in the URC. Leinster know what they're doing and they know how they're playing and they do it. And most of the time they win. So like it's, you, are, you are dealing with teams that are very close to you in skill and personnel and it's it's five really really high quality teams so you have to take it into account a little bit but I think Scotland have got this problem like you say of focusing on the opponent's game plan and trying to play around it whereas what they should be doing is playing Scotland's game plan with an eye on what the opponent's doing I think we're going the wrong way around at the moment
4: so, I'll let David speak his point, I'll make my final
3: point. Hey, man, I was just curious, if you don't mind, can I throw you a couple uh, historical France versus Scotland numbers at you guys?
0: Go on, then. Oh, yes, great numbers.
3: So, in the Five Nations tournament, right, France played Scotland on 69 different occasions, France winning 34, Scotland 33 with two matches drawn. It's hard to imagine a closer record than that, right? In those games, France scored 756 points, Scotland 819. Again, really, really close. But uh, you might feel like you're in the Chiefs' second row right now because there's a big butt in front of you. Uh,
0: in- David, <laughs> careful. We've had 69 big butts, right?
2: <laughs> I was trying really hard not to say nice. And- it's, <laughs> it's literally to
0: going to switch
1: off to go to Patreon. I mean,
0: you know, like <laughs> two Very minutes. On, from- Sorry. Two minutes. From- I-, I like big butts. Come on.
3: Can't <laughs> you-, you cannot lie. I can tell. Um, but then, of course, in the Six Nations, France have played Scotland on 22 occasions. France winning, and I don't know if you guys want to guess, uh, how many you think France have won out of those 22? 16? 17. 15. Very close. Yeah. Scotland 5, no matches drawn. In those games, Scotland, uh, France have scored 504 points to Scotland's 330. Um, and those numbers do include this past terrible, terrible weekend. Um so basically, these stats point to: as soon as Italy joined, we started losing to France. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's Italy's fault. <laughs>
3: fine, right? get him out of there.
0: <laughs> I, would say, I would say once again, it's Matt Williams' fault, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Craig, yeah your final the point.
4: Um, what, just the, the, one last thing, and 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 we always look to Murrayfield um, and to the Scotland crowd, and everyone talks about how difficult Murrayfield is to come to, and how the how the Scotland team thrive on the crowd at Murrayfield. I'll tell you one thing there were 20,000s Frenchmen there or French French fans there and they were loud we yeah. we were we were standing we were where we were sitting the uh this La Marseille was played and I thought it was a home game um you know it was loud and and uh, I've got to say obviously um I didn't hear much of uh um uh, uh much of Flora Scotland because it was too busy greeting, but uh it was um <laughs> But standard. it was, Yeah, standard. Um, but it was absolutely and utterly, there was, you know, really, the French were really behind our team. And I think um, maybe we need to have a word with Mark Dobson and just uh, cut the French numbers down a little bit and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, stop giving them an advantage.
0: Yeah, it has been, to be fair, though, what has been too, well, no. They made the last route because they came over here and they played us during COVID and everyone caught it, spread COVID around Scotland. Yeah, that was they, the yeah. Super yeah. Spread, it was a super yeah, spreader event yeah. for COVID yeah. when they came. Well, it in. Was yeah, it was, that was that was
2: the last the last game with fans, was it Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the, the last game with I was, fans. We were there. I was there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah, it got called off. The Wales game was the following weekend, and it got called right. off. Yeah. On but the they, day I suppose it's the first.
0: Or... They're on the road now, and we're all, you know. Anyway.
3: Look, can I give you guys one more funny stat?
0: You can give us one more funny stat, David. I'm okay,
3: sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interject so much. Uh, so, if you look at the last 20 meetings between France and Scotland, it's 14 to 6 in favor of France, no draws there. But three out of the six of Scotland's victories have all been in March. So, if we had waited a week, the schedule uh, had fallen differently uh, this Saturday, would we be winning?
0: Yeah, Thank you see, so we just needed what we needed to do. Seen it said, same Hamish Watson around kissing everybody in the squad to get every done with COVID. <laughs> so, that uh, it. there
1: we are. We, we've come up with a solution, we know what went wrong, and there we are. That's all we needed.
0: Uh, we'll end on this point. Dougie, though, says, uh, the French gave him COVID two years ago, he was far too generous with his <laughs> hip flask. <laughs> <laughs> if I can imagine, Dougie. I I take partial responsibility for that. For on this podcast in the January of that year, saying it's just like the flu. You did that. Uh, <laughs> to be, and, to, to yeah. be honest,
4: it's it's not very well known that Dougie was is generous. So uh, you know, <laughs> look to be
1: fair. That. John Johnny, I've got a conversation to have with you about Doogie at some point, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll uh, save we that for the Patreon podcast.
0: Look, that's it for this week. Anyway, for the main podcast, we—if you're a Patreon, you can uh, stay hang around if you're watching live, and we'll we'll get on with the Patreon uh, section of the podcast after this. If you are listening on audio and you're Patreon, you can listen to the separate episode. If you are listening to the normal podcast, then we will be back next Wednesday uh, to talk about as. Uh, some urc games this weekend which there shouldn't be because of covid they're still playing them uh, and we'll have a bit of chat about the early game as well but for the moment it's goodbye from me and goodbye from john johnny uh david and craig
3: bye, all. bye all. thanks everybody cheers all